0: Well, here we are uh, again with another ADRA Insider podcast, uh, and I'm so delighted uh, today to have with me uh, Anne and Mark from ADRA Cambodia office. And uh, let's maybe start by having each of you uh, introduce yourselves and tell us uh, your name and, and what you do there at ADRA Cambodia.
1: Yeah, my name's Mark Shrizo and uh, I'm the country director here uh, in Cambodia, and my role, I do all kinds of things actually, uh, but to keep operations going, uh, a little strategic planning, uh, all the way down to making sure the boots on the ground are going in the right direction for the projects, uh, working on reports, writing proposals, um, making sure the operations are are meeting the goals of of what we're really wanting to do here and bringing uh, the right assistance to people.
0: Yes, I can't imagine all of the responsibilities that go into being a country director for ADRA. That's wonderful. Uh, And Anne, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: I'm Anne Stickle. I'm Canadian. I worked here in Cambodia for over 18 years, and I'm associate director. I work um, from assessing the needs finding donors, designing solutions with communities, and then doing the activities that we design.
0: Well, I, I'm so glad that you both took uh, a little uh, time today to help us with this podcast. You know, we've been visiting with a number of offices already, and it's really your turn in Cambodia that we kind of put a spotlight on the work that you're doing, because you've been a partner of ADRA Canada for many years. ADRA Canada has been working with you, and uh our donors over the years have probably heard many stories coming from cambodia but it's always a nice to to get an update of what's been happening recently now um, just to kind of get us uh, a little background especially for maybe some of our younger audience who you know may not know too much about the tragic recent history of cambodia i wonder if you could just share briefly uh, a little bit about what has happened there in cambodia to to make it a country that uh, does require the work of address so so much.
1: Yeah, uh, Cambodia has had a tragic past. Around the time of the Vietnam War, uh, back in the 1960s and 70s, Cambodia was the neighbor that ended up seeing the, the war spill over into Cambodia. There was bombing even deep into Cambodia. And the Khmer Rouge, which were a, kind of a radical socialist uh, group, uh, were also fighting against uh, the, the government leaders and the elite uh, of the country at that time. So they decided that, that they wanted to take over and, and have their their chance. And so in 1975, as soon as South Vietnam fell to the north, uh, Khmer Rouge uh, took over the, the capital. And for the next uh, three and a half years, there was basically a, an internal a societal genocide as mm. this group tried to to suppress and and control and to stop anyone from opposing their ideologies. During the the Khmer Rouge time, the population decreased here in Cambodia from 8 million down to about 5 million. Wow. So 3 million people lost their lives uh, from either, you know, actually being killed but as well just uh, lack of nutrition, lack of medical care lack of services of, of, of any sort. And so it was a real tragedy.
0: Now, from what I understand, the Khmer Rouge specifically targeted some of the more professional people of the country, the doctors, the lawyers, the teachers, the civil engineers, that type of thing.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely uh, destroyed and took away so much of the human resources that had been you know, built up uh, Before that, but as well, even the infrastructure, the road systems, communication systems uh, were a mess after that time.
0: The first time that I visited Cambodia, I believe was 92. It was when the United Nations was there occupying the country. And uh, it was a very unique time because uh, I remember visiting one of the ADRA projects there. I believe it was a water system but there was no way to get there by road. We had to take helicopters. So we went up with actually a Canadian helicopter pilot. And uh, he said that uh, if you want to go back to Phnom Penh, be sure and be here by three o'clock. Well, we went out and we visited the projects and we got back to the place by two o'clock, but the guy had already left. (laughs) And uh, so interestingly enough, we were able to get a ride back on a Russian helicopter and if you keep in mind the fall of the Soviet Union was just a few years before this so to be able to ride on one of these big Russian helicopters was quite an experience but I guess by the end of that year things became more stable ADRA was able to do work uh, more what, what kind of projects did, what did they do there in the beginning I saw the the water projects what else did they uh, start with so uh,
1: starting in 1988-89, uh, Andrew out of its uh, uh, office in Thailand started coming uh, in country working on you know basic uh, infrastructure uh, things such as agriculture irrigation projects and water and sanitation basic water supply um, in the country and as well started soon afterwards to get involved in the health sector Seeing that so many of the health clinics and hospitals had been destroyed, of course, along with the, the human resources, uh, there weren't very many around, you know, and so started working in basic training in those areas, trying to build up the medical staff to, to work in those facilities. Because a facility by themselves without a, without a skilled attendant is, is worthless right. as well.
0: I know one of the things that I remember seeing very early on was literacy programs. What can you tell us about the reason why ADRA became involved in teaching people how to read? Why was that necessary, and how did you go about that?
2: That was started um, with the agriculture projects in the beginning and even with the uh, water and sanitation projects. And the idea is that when people learn to read and write, then they're able to make decisions, uh, analyzing things a, a lot better. Um, literacy that's learned with small group so a small group of women will get together with their neighbors say about 20 women 10 to 20 women in their village and something that was a key that we found out as we did evaluations is even if the women didn't learn the letters as as much as we we wanted them to like going from a first grade level to fifth grade level even if they just stayed in first grade level they learned what we call oral literacies and they would say things like now I can talk to my husband. He listens to me because I have things to talk about or I can sign my name or people aren't cheating me in the market anymore.
0: I want to have you talk a little bit about your approach to teaching um, some of these key health messages by using the small group. I've been impressed every time I visit uh, Cambodia to see how effective these reflect circles, is that what you call them? Reflect circles? How how did you get started with the idea of having reflect circles? And how does it work?
2: What we found is instead of only focusing on literacy and covering a, a variety of topics as reflect methodology was doing, what we do is we incorporate and make facilitation guides for any topic that we're working on. So health, mother-child health, youth health, mental health. We have agriculture. We have water and sanitation. Whatever the topic is, we make guides. We teach the community volunteer how to do a simple topic and how to make activities, what type of group activities will go well with what type of issue. For example, if it's a very sensitive topic, we might have role play. Because when you do a role play, then you're able to talk about things that affect us, but in a way that's not threatening.
0: Tell us what it is about that small group dynamic that makes it so effective.
2: I would say that it, it, it's really important because of the genocide, as we talked about, when trust was destroyed. It's really important to bring people together. You have a completely non-threatening environment. It's very respectful. There's 10 principles of how we do things to make sure that it's a safe environment. And then you meet regularly. It's usually about once a week. And you meet about general things, and then you go to more sensitive things later on. But the community group will be very strong. So they form these very strong bonds that help get them through the different issues that the community has. What is it, you like to call it Marcus? social, building a social network?
1: Yeah, a social network or a social capital, to have a kind of a safety net when, when that's needed in your life.
0: I've often thought about how a woman who might be suffering from domestic violence may not have ever spoken to anybody else about the problem, but in a group environment When she hears someone else say something, then she can speak up and solutions are provided. And uh, I I think it's just a wonderful thing that you're doing there.
2: Definitely domestic violence cases are are brought up. I remember this one lady saying, I was hopeless. And this lady came and convinced me to join the reflex circle, convinced me. I didn't want to. I was barely hanging on for my children. And the women there really supported me. She said, and they gave me hope, and then I learned things from ADRA. I learned how to do a garden. I learned about the importance of nutrition for my child. And now I have hope and I'm happy, uh, and my children are happy.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. Tell us about uh, Canada's involvement in your, your program there.
2: Yeah, Canada
1: has been a, a major supporter uh, for the last you know, 20 plus years. In the last uh, 10 years or so, ADRA Canada and the Canadian government has been our primary our our biggest supporter here and so there's been a lot of uh, commitment to 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 support uh, operations here in cambodia and help cambodian people
0: i'd like to have you talk a little bit about the latest project that ADRA canada has uh uh, sponsored with the help of the canadian government uh, the funding support that we've received from them the embrace project what did embrace do that uh, hadn't been done before
2: Embrace had two main parts, which were a bit similar to what we have done before. One was the improving health care, uh, improving the health-seeking behavior, and then nutrition. And what this project did is it scaled up a previous project that the uh, Canadian government had funded together with ADRA Canada. So we went from 80 villages to 168 villages. And we took this Reflect, this community group model, to a much larger scale than we'd ever done before. We developed a whole system of training trainers, training facilitators, and it went quite well in the first project, we call the SMILE project, and then in the EMBRACE project, it also went well. And we learned ways to, to be more effective. We had a local partner who also worked very closely with the midwives and formed midwife-free networks where the traditional birth attendants were drawn into the circle with the commune counselors and the health center. And we're able to work out a lot of issues.
0: Yeah, I really like the way that you brought in the traditional birth attendants. You know, the government of Cambodia told them, you, know, you can't do that anymore. And yet Embrace comes along and trains them how they could still be useful by teaching all of the mothers of the village the important key messages of embrace. Because really, they are the respected people in the local villages, right? They're the ones that have been delivering the babies in these remote areas for the last 50 years. And so they've gained a lot of respect. I thought it was just wonderful the way that you included these valued members of the community in your project. You know Just when they might have thought that their life purpose was over, Embrace now gives them a whole new lease on life.
2: Uh, there was one more thing that we really got excited over, and we are now implementing in almost every project. It's, it's this parenting program that we learned from Hinks Delcrest uh, in Toronto. Uh, learning through play and then making meal times matter. and actually the Cambodian government in the provincial health department and in the Ministry of Health really likes it.
0: Oh that's good to hear. One of the things that I really uh, was amazed and, and pleased to see was how the the fathers were playing with their children now because of this learning through play program, In a lot of the countries that I visit, the fathers don't really take an interest in the children until they're seven, eight, nine, uh, and they let the mothers raise the babies. But I noticed as a result of this project, the fathers playing, reading to the children, playing with the cars and trucks and and really engaging them. Uh, And so I really appreciated that. So Embrace, a four-year project there in Cambodia, just winding down in 2020. When the global pandemic strikes uh, what were your thoughts uh at the around the office there uh, when uh, the lockdown started happening
2: we responded immediately with one of the Adra network responses and did ppe for the government and so they they had all these d- demands and requests please help us more please help us more
0: so there was an emergency response to start with yeah. yes okay Now I understand that um, a request was made to the Canadian government to extend embrace to, to help with the COVID response.
1: Well I think uh, uh, obviously the desk officers from your office there you know were in communication with us what's the situation? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the government doing and I think there was there was communication there was sharing that went on then between your office and, and Global Affairs Canada and Global Affairs responded. They said, we don't want to lose what's what's been happening. We don't want to see things sliding back. And so they initiated the idea of us proposing how to stop the slide, how to stop things from going backwards, and to continue to ensure that the advances made during the EMBRACE project uh, continued and that the people were prepared for what may uh, be coming ahead.
0: All right. Good. Well, I want to thank you for joining us for this uh, uh podcast recording and giving us all this background and uh what i want to do now is say farewell to the both of you and thank you again for for sharing and uh invite some of your staff to tell us a little bit about what they did during this covid uh extension to the embrace project and and how it has helped the people thank you frank
2: and thank you to adra canada and global affairs canada
0: yes thank you well, I want to welcome uh, all three of you to the ADRA Insider video podcast. We uh, are so excited to, to have you join us today and tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing in response to COVID-19 there in Cambodia. But before we do that, let's maybe go around the circle here and have you tell us your name and what you do there at uh, ADRA Cambodia.
3: Well, thank you, Frank and good morning from Cambodia. My name is Kung Panol. I'm a public relations coordinator with Atra Cambodia. And it's my pleasure to talk to you this morning. So my name is Rod Rumi. I work with uh, Atra Cambodia since 2012
0: until now. Well, thank you for, for joining us. And now, Dina, tell us a little bit about yourself.
4: Um, so, hello. I'm Dina. i been working with ADRA since 2013 um, in um, nutrition for all and then embrace and then embrace COVID 19 response.
0: The uh, embrace project is just wrapping up there. Uh, it's the year 2020, it's February, March, and all of a sudden we're hit with a global pandemic. I know in many countries it was a huge outbreak uh, right to begin with. Was it like that in Cambodia as well?
3: Well, at the beginning of uh, COVID-19 pandemic, uh, Cambodia was not uh, much affected uh, since uh, there were only a few cases of infection. Just a few cases? Uh, just a few cases. Uh, we, yeah, we have even uh, not one per day. Or, or just really? Two, yeah.
0: I remember you were in the news there. I think it was in uh, March. We heard a story about how your prime minister welcomed people off of a cruise ship that had not been able to find a place to port. And when I heard that news story, I thought, oh, no, Cambodia is really going to get hit now because these people coming off the cruise ship are going to infect everybody. But you did okay, did you? You you managed to get past that? Fortunately, everyone okay, yeah. That's great. Sometimes I wonder if it has something to do with the way that you greet people. You don't shake their hands like we do in Canada That's so right. much. Yep. You use a <laughs> greeting like this. And I wonder if that maybe helped you ha- keep the, the transmission low. I want to transition now to finding out from you uh, some of the activities that you did during the extension of the EMBRACE project to help mitigate the, uh, the COVID infections. What What types of things did you do to help people understand the virus and help people know how it's transmitted. Tell us some of the activities that you did.
3: We make online training. We share video to uh, people. We share video to community partner. We provide PPE to partner, to PhD people
4: we are able to do the campaign in each village to help the people understand about the the covid-19 how they can protect themselves from getting the covid-19 and how they spread and then later we produce some banners some posters so, and also we share key messages through um, radio program and also, we set a good example for them. Like even during the meeting in the village, we always like abide by the the guidelines for safety like keeping um, like the distance between us also um, using masks using alcohol or gel for washing hands but we promote more like um sharing the soap the the bar soap for them to to wash hand daily as well so that they would be aware of like um, their hygiene so that they can prevent um, the COVID-19 infection or transmission
0: now, being a video producer myself, I'm very interested to know more about uh, how you used video to uh, educate. Pano, can you tell us maybe a little bit more about that uh, part of the project? Uh, how did you use video um, to to tell the people about uh, the virus transmission?
3: We had to produce lots of videos. So we were about to to hire uh, local a video company to produce those uh, numbers uh, of video uh, uh, targeting the key messages that are detailed in our project output. So we we had to uh, arrange the, the team to work carefully uh, with the uh, community uh, to film short clips of information video to education videos as well as the uh, general awareness uh, of uh, impress extension uh, activities
0: Uh, yeah yeah now you've sent me a lot of these videos i think there was what 23 or 27 was there videos of uh, you guys did an amazing i think wow that's just amazing and i think dina aren't you a star in some of those videos do i remember seeing you (laughs) yes uh, (laughs) yes (laughs) talking to the people and, (laughs) and sharing and so you recorded all of these key messages and then how did you distribute them how did you share them with the people on social media? Uh, how did you get the message out after you produced these videos?
3: Our plan uh, uh, was to upload those videos onto YouTube and also share on our Facebook page so that people can, can easily access them on their mobile phone. And as you know, in breast Target villages are in remote area. So some of the area they cannot uh, access the Internet uh, coverage. So there, there's no Internet. So it, 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 it has been a challenge for them. So we, we have a backup uh, USB drive where we you know upload uh, those windows into those uh, USB. And we distribute this USB to our facilitator who then uh, went door to door. Uh, to to show and share those uh, key message uh, on their door to door visit uh, for this uh, awareness
0: so those usb drives they would stick them into a laptop and then go door to door with the laptop
3: actually they they were using their mobile phone mobile phones wow. yeah so uh, yeah that's right.
0: all right well that's wonderful uh it's uh, exciting to see how you can use technology even in remote villages to uh, get messages about health across to the people. Now, uh, in a lot of the videos that I watched that you sent me, I see people working in their kitchen gardens. Was there more instruction on how to do kitchen gardening in these uh, instructional videos that you did?
3: To encourage others' household who have not started their garden, to see, hey, this family has studied their garden ever since before this pandemic struck the community. Mm. So w- right now they are, are doing OK because uh, they have um, uh, the nutrition, vegetable food uh, for their family. Mm. So in yeah, some of the video, uh, we, we focus on, on the story and while the other, other video, we also started uh, with some information how to start a home garden, you know, how to improve your soil, a source of uh, those uh, techniques in the video.
0: Tell us about uh, how you use the medium of radio, You use social media, but now also radio to get the message out. Tell us about that.
3: So we develop and create a list of radio programs, most of which uh, containing prevention measures of COVID-19 uh, key message about agriculture, key message about health, key message about you know, even gender or violence, mm. you know, all sorts of uh, topics that listed in our project activities. And we invited guest speaker from Provincial Health Department, from Department of Agriculture, Department of women Affairs, you know, to do the talk shows mm. and uh, people can can call in and ask questions and also uh, the guest speaker can share what's important to the community during this uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Besides that, we conducted the public mobile awareness in community to be uh, contract with local uh, people who have uh, loudspeaker, tuk-tuk. Uh, so that to share key message through through loudspeaker and through a spot announcement to avoid uh, COVID-19 transmission.
0: So it sounds like you were very thorough. You used every possible medium that you could think of to get the message out there. And uh, we can tell, maybe by the fact that uh, Cambodia did so well there for the first year that you had a big part in in uh, preventing the transmission in the area that you were working in. And so I want to thank you for all that you guys are doing there to help the people. You must feel fulfilled in the work that you're doing, the uh, saving people's lives by the education work that you're doing. That's just wonderful. And uh, I want to thank you all for uh, joining us for this podcast. We really appreciate you taking your time and sharing with us uh, what you did in that wonderful COVID extension that the Embrace Project had. It was wonderful to talk with you today. May God bless your work there. So long thank for you. now I guess this is how I should be saying you say hello and goodbye like this, do you? Yes. Yeah. Thank and, you. And what is the word that you say and when you say when you how do you greet the people? Jimripsu, Jim Jimripsu. Jim Ripsu.
3: But when we
0: live,
3: we say, uh, uh, Ripley. "Jim
0: Ripleya." Jim Jim, Ripley. Jim Ripley. Did I say it right? Yeah.
4: Jim yes. Yes. Go- yes. Goodbye.
0: Okay. Very good. Jim Lipria. May God be with you. So long for now.